Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. I'm Gab Marcotti and I'm speaking to you from Warsaw with the latest game podcast from Euro 2012. Half the sides are now home and amazingly, guess what? England are still here. So much for the nattering nabobs of negativity, eh? How, why and what next? Well, I'm joined by two men in the England camp, Ollie Kay and Matt Hughes, and uh, they're going to help me figure this out. Ollie. England are top of the group. Um, easy question for you. What's more impressive, their results or their performances? Uh, I think it's the, the, the results are, are more impressive. I mean, to get seven points from three games in, in, and three difficult games is is impressive. I think you look at the performances and technically they've left something to be desired at times, but in terms of their sort of attitude and organisation for the most part and, and their application and effort, which are all things that they've been accused of lacking over the years, I think they've been spot on. So um, maybe in terms of quality, they wouldn't be top of the class, but you know, in terms of application and effort, they've been great. Matt, do you, do you agree with the assessment that those were three difficult games? And do you agree with the assessment that they've lacked effort and application in the past? I don't think they were two particularly difficult games and certainly not the most difficult that teams have had in this tournament. If you look at Group B and C, I think England would not have won either of those groups and may have struggled to qualify, to be honest. I think they were fortunate to get France first up when they were pretty nervous and hesitant. They made hard work of beating an average Sweden team and were, again, a bit fortunate um, to beat Ukraine last night, who did actually play quite well. Um, the results, as Ollie says, have been better, but there have been elements of performances that have been at the excellent. They've defended largely very, very well, and Steven Gerrard has performed as a, as a, as a true captain and leader, maybe not in the most dynamic attacking sense that he would prefer, but he's really shown the maturity to, to adapt his game to, to be a sort of defensive bulwark, really. He's done very well. Meanwhile, that uh, uh, that Wayne Rooney guy uh, came back into the lineup. Uh, it, it's not always easy uh, when, uh, you know, even though you're arguably England's best player, but, but you come back into a, into a side that's enjoyed some success uh, without you. Ollie, was he, was he a bit rusty? Is, is there more to come? How would you assess his contribution? And was Roy right in, uh, uh, in, in bringing him straight back into the side? Well, I, I certainly would think he, he was right in bringing him back. I mean, it's not necessarily the goal that indicates that. I, I think it's just the fact that you've got a player who's, um, who is a top-class player and 
the, the guys who would otherwise have kept him out are, are guys who perhaps exceeded expectations in, in both scoring against um, against Sweden. So I, I think it was a, an, an obvious thing to, to bring him back. But he was he was rusty. His first half performance was um, a bit stodgy at times, and he, he um, I think he, he came out with a quote on Monday where he said, um, or on Sunday where, where he said about the need to sort of feel his way slowly back into the game, and that wasn't really an opportunity he had in the end because he saw so little of the ball in the first half but um, you know the, the chance to sort of play play his way back in like a you know a batsman preparing for a, for a long stint at the crease that, that, that didn't really arise so I, I I think it was understandable that he was rusty um, but he should in theory get um, get better with every game he plays just depends how many games England have got ahead doesn't it um, Matt uh Milner and uh, and Young are, are two guys who, from what I've seen on TV, and obviously I'm not in the ground, I thought, you know, they kind of did their part. Um, I, I don't think either one is an outstanding player and provides much added value, but they kind of do their job as cogs in the machine, whereas I think somebody like Theo Walcott does give you something different. Um, can Milner and Young improve Especially with, with Gerard sitting so deep, you wonder if there's a if there's a concern that the front men might be isolated, or is it kind of a moot point because he's going to look to to to, to play Walcott um, from the start. I think Young can improve, and, and Milner has to improve if he's going to keep his place in the in the side. Whether he can or not is a different matter. I thought Young had his best game last night. He's a frustrating player. He's doesn't get involved as much he doesn't hunt the ball but he does produce moments of quality such as the cross for the header that was missed by Rooney and another good cross in the second half so I think he will keep his place because he offers something different and England haven't got too many players who can produce good crosses other than, other than Gerrard Milner what I was disappointed by really he looks a bit tired um, didn't really give much in attack or defence and it's probably only lack of alternatives and Hodgson's reluctance to play Walcott and Young and the vulnerability of Johnson at right back that's keeping Milner in the side he can get better I think he'll benefit from an extra day's rest which England have got from winning the group because he did look pretty exhausted and um, on balance probably expecting to keep his place Now we had a goal line incident uh, in that game and uh, and as it turned out an incorrect decision, although probably an irrelevant one, because there was also uh, an offside on that that very play. So it's not like it, it had a massive outcome um, on on the game. Um, and Seth Blatter helpfully uh, tweeted this morning that you know goal line technology is, is now necessary and and, and so on. It kind of makes you wonder what took him so long to change his mind. Um, Ollie, I, I, I was at the meeting with, uh, with the referee's uh, uh, boss today uh, here in Warsaw, and they kind of got the sense that, or, or, or they came out with a message, look, you know, goal line technology, that's something for, for FIFA to decide, but they made the point that this goal line incident that was missed by the uh, additional assistant referee was pretty tight, and that, but it was a mistake, but it was, uh, it was the first mistake they've made and that there were... Um, two other goal line incidents in, in this tournament that they got right. Um, I'm assuming your stance on goal line technology hasn't changed. Come over there. You tell me. 
I'm purposely asking you this because you've sat on the fence on this one. No, well, I, I, I think the I think the additional assistance um, could and should be able to work. I mean, it's it's a sort of slightly unwieldy way of doing it, and you, I think um, I think they they can look rather superfluous. But uh, you know, I, I think a guy who's standing sort of two meters away, three meters away, just the other side of the post, should in the vast, vast, vast majority of cases be able to spot an incident like, like the one uh, last night. I, I thought from the angle that he would have seen it, I think it should have been very clear that um, it crossed the line. So I think that's a, a pretty exceptional miss by, by, by the, um, the goal line assistant. But um, and it, you know, as such, it might not be the, the one that proves that, it, that, that technology is um, a necessity, as, as Blatter says, but it's yeah, I, I, I would say that technology should be seen as a last resort, but maybe we're at a stage now where it has become a necessary last resort because you know there have been these incidents time and time again. But I, I think, as you say, the, the offside aspect of that um, of that incident, I mean, it shows that it's not exactly foolproof. You you, you, you solve goal line technology, and, and it you know you open up cans of worms elsewhere. It's it's. Uh, I don't think it's quite as simple as an irresistible case for technology. Matt, you, you've heard uh, um, Ollie Kay's very decisive yes or no answer. Um, if you could flick a switch and introduce goal line technology tomorrow, would you do, would you do it? I absolutely would. And for once, I couldn't disagree with Ollie more. I, I just do not understand the argument against it. Technology has improved the experience and the um, officiating of so many other sports, cricket, rugby league, rugby union, going back 10 or 15 years, and it could clearly do so for football. It wouldn't solve all problems, but um, the failure of a supposed solution to solve every problem doesn't mean it's not a solution to a certain specific one. So I just really do not understand it and see the offside as an irrelevance, that's a different, it's a different issue. Um, if you've got a hole in your roof and your front door's hanging off, you don't not fix the front door because you've got a hole in the roof. It's, they're just completely different issues, and I do not understand why we're still talking about it. Take that, Ollie Kay. Right, <laughs> moving on to uh, um, uh, to, to, to the uh, quarterfinal. Um, actually, no, before we do that, a word on France. Now, you guys were all there, so you didn't see this Sweden-France game. I did because I had the benefit of two television sets. Um, France were absolutely horrible against uh, against Sweden. Uh, Slatan scored a tremendous goal, which I'm, I'm sure you've all seen, and which for me is hands down the goal of the tournament thus far. And, and by the way, uh, we've all sort of submitted online our nominations for goal of the tournament, game of the tournament, and so on. So please check it out. It's uh, it's up on the website. Um, Ollie, uh, does it look to you like France are getting worse as the tournament progresses? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, not well, not necessarily because the, the performance against Ukraine was the high point, and that was the second game. So um, I, I think um, yeah, I think that, I think they were better against Ukraine than they were against England, and and then they've they've dropped sort of three levels since then, and, and that's. That's got to be a concern for Laurent Blanc. I, I, I would say that although Italy is is far from an easy game for England, I would say that 
France would be kicking themselves about ending up playing Spain rather than Italy because they, they had the opportunity to win the group. It was all um, it was all it was theirs for the taking going into last last night's games and and to surrender that winning position in the group and end up playing um, the world and European champions. It's the kind of thing England have normally done. Um, so I, I, I I'm very pleased that England have got. Um, Italy rather than Spain, although I'd rather it was, uh, say, Greece or Ireland rather than Italy. <laughs> well, thanks for that. Uh, Hughes, you're, you're on board with it. Yeah, uh, Italy, a, a better opponent uh, than Spain, I imagine. But I, I saw this amazing um, st- statistic that's been doing the round um, that England haven't actually beaten, and I realize it's subjective here, but a quote-unquote sort of major nation um outside of england's english soil uh since uh well unless you consider belgium in 1990 to be uh, a major nation and even that was with uh, uh that was with uh, david platt's remarkable goal and and even if you really want to go back to uh to 66 and stuff you know argentines would probably complain about the refereeing and uh um the germans of course still complain to this day about that goal in the final uh, which leaves rather slim pickings. Um, now, I'm generally a believer that what happened before is completely irrelevant and doesn't mean anything, but uh, did you, do you agree with me on this one, or is England's, frankly, atrocious record in knockout games against good teams, Is that does that come into play at all? I think it does, because a lot of the players, well, not a lot, but a handful of the players who play against Italy were there in Lymphontaine. Two years ago, the last time England were facing an major nation in a knockout game, and they were frankly terrible. So there, there must be some residual psychological effect. Um, although it is an amazing statistic, it's, I think it's just a telling statistic, and it kind of gives the lie to all the sort of hype and hoo ha we hear at England, and it shows how frankly average England are and, and have been. And the fact that this talk of winning trophies is Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 1990, and even then, they've required a, quite a lot of luck to get to the semifinals. Um, so, no, I think, it, I think it is telling, and I think it actually shows the uh, extent of the task that faces them on on Sunday it's a sort of new emerging Italy team um, who had their own problems two years ago in South Africa but they've still got players with more experience and success in international football several World, several World Cup winners so 
you, you'd have to make them favourites, and England will do, will do very well to, to beat them. Before we move on to the other quarter finalists, um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, uh, about the tournament as a whole. I mean, both host nations, Ukraine and Poland, are out. Uh, we, we we've talked about how you know sometimes it can kind of deflate the tournament. We've also talked about what a fantastic tournament um, it's been. Ollie, do you have any theories about why this tournament has been so entertaining, so good? Um, thus far, or is it just randomness and, and chance? Um, I think the, the, the Euros is, is always good. I, I think if you go back to the, you look at the last four European Championships, 2000, 2004, 8-12, um, they've always been very entertaining, memorable games, and I know, um, I know in England we're more likely to hop back to 96 and say that was a great tournament but um, I, I think across Europe people would look at the last four starting in Belgium and Holland in 2000 and say that the quality is always high there's an intensity to the competition because you know generally the teams that are there are of high quality and high ambition and um, there's uh, you know there's, there's no let up you can't really let your standards drop and I, I think that's the reason why um, the tournaments tend to be so good um, Perhaps unlike the World Cup, where you've got a bit of dead wood at, at, at the um, at the group stage, um, and it's why I just cannot understand the um, expansion to 2014. But I think that's probably a, uh, a, a a debate for another day. That is a debate uh, for another day. Um, I don't know. If personally, um, I'd include 2004 as being that fantastic uh, a tournament. Uh, although I, I did enjoy the fact that. Uh, uh, rather than staying in a hotel or a, an ugly flat, we rented a villa with a pool, and I spent most of my day um, out in the pool in the sunlight. Um, but, Husey, do you have a, a, a clever theory why this particular tournament has been has been better, not just relative to the World Cup, but if you do think it was better to better compared to 08 and 04? Well, I rarely have any clever theories, and I certainly don't on this occasion, but I do have a fairly obvious answer, I'm afraid. There's just lots of very good well well balanced teams which has made for competitive and compelling football um i also think the draw was has helped helped the competition in that the even the, the weakest groups probably group a the teams are pretty well matched it's made it very competitive and other than the republic of ireland there haven't really been and sweden i guess there aren't really any any also rounds and they were the only two teams who went into the last round of matches we had a chance of getting through, which, which is why every game, every game has mattered. Um, and even Ireland Italy had something on it because Italy had to win. So it's sort of a combination of um, good, well-matched teams playing each other and sort of recent trends for attacking football, which to be welcomed. That's right. Italy had to win, and of course, uh, had Spain simply allowed Croatia to score an equaliser. Um, Y'all will be playing Croatia right now, rather than uh, rather than Italy. Um, although, given your history against Croatia, you might have preferred to be playing Italy than uh, than the Croats. Uh, but uh, I digress. Moving on, um, a very quick word first, actually, just because uh, I am in the host chair uh, about this business with the fines and the underpants. You may have heard that Nicholas Bentner was fined a hundred thousand uh, euros for illegally advertising a bookmaker on his uh, on his underpants 
whereas uh, um, the Croatian FA were were fined 80,000 euros uh, for um, the fact that some of their fans uh, racially abused Mario Balotelli. Now, uh, Oli, if I want to make a, a, a if I could make a brief digression here, and uh, feel free to disagree, um, but all these people tweeted out how absurd it is that you know racism is taken less seriously than sponsors and and whatnot. But it seems to me there's one pretty obvious point, which is that um, Nicholas Bentner is being punished because he did something he wasn't supposed to do, and he did it for money. Um, the Croatian FA, they're not the ones who were racially abusing Mario Balotelli. Uh, it was their fans. And the reason we punish FAs is that we expect them to exercise some level of control over their fans. But that said, given that they're in a foreign country with a foreign police force, uh, would it not be better to just focus our efforts in finding the fans who are doing this and punishing them? perhaps even putting them in prison for a short while, rather than just launching greater and greater fines towards FAs who, frankly, when they're away from home, there probably isn't too much they can do to stop this. Yeah, well, I, I would certainly rather that it was the individual, even if it's a, you know, a standload of individuals, I would, I would rather it was the individuals that were punished than, than the FAs, but, but there is a, an undeniable um, sort of discrepancy or... A, problem with, with UEFA and FIFA handing out very, very small fines. And I know you, you talk about the, you know, for, for, for racism, I know you talk about the responsibility aspect of it, but I, I think FAs have more responsibility to do more than they've done. I think if you look at the FA um, down the years, I think there have been times when they've been, when it suited their agenda to be in denial about hooliganism problems and, and racism problems in, in, in the past. And I think they have worked incredibly, incredibly hard to sort of root out these issues. And um, maybe you know, some of the other countries are, are sort of at a comparable stage now to, to what the FA were previously. And there should be more of a sort of educational aspect to any punishment rather than rather than just you know the sort of token fine because I think a lot of these examples and you could say it as a Luis Suarez issue people end up not knowing quite what they've done wrong or deemed to have done wrong so I think that's an issue whereas I think the Bentner issue I think he knows exactly what he'd done wrong and then I think um, the bookmaker concerned is uh, milking it for its worth. Let's quickly look at the other three quarterfinals. Um, should be pretty straightforward, but I want to start with you, Husey. Uh, Greece and Germany in the bag from the Germans, I would assume. But do you want to say something nice about the Greeks? Um, well, they've done well to get this far, haven't they? Having um, gone down in their first first game, had a man sent off, so they, they you know they fought back very very well. You've got to fancy Germany there. They've been the most impressive team in the tournament so far really they're defending consistently they're playing great football and Gomez has started scoring goals so you think they would win them pretty comfortably and set up a mouth-watering semi against England or Italy yeah I'm uh, I'm 100% with you on that one Ollie I trust you don't disagree with uh, Hughes's prediction uh Germany to advance to the semis right uh yeah I'll, I'll say Germany without hesitation um, good, which brings us to uh, uh, Portugal and uh, 
uh, and the Czech Republic. Now, some of you, of course, will have, uh, uh, the, the, by the time you listen to this, this game may have already have taken place. Um, Ollie, uh, your assessment, your favourite? Uh, this, this brings back great nostalgia to me because I, I went to the equivalent quarterfinal in Euro 96 at Villa Park uh, and it was uh, an outrageous £45 to get in, which uh, hurt me very much as a penniless student. And it was a dire game, briefly illuminated by the Paborski scoops goal. So I hope this uh, is a much better game. I would say that um, looking at the players, looking at the teams, I would regard Portugal as strong favourites in that they have. Um, the outstanding player named Ronaldo and um, I would think he's um, after his two goals against Holland I would think he's um, in the mood to sort of propel Portugal into the semi-finals Cristiano to best Czech and the Czechs you you uh, and thereby queuing all sorts of stupid headlines about Czechs bounced out and whatnot. Are uh, you on board with that Husey? Yeah it's hard to disagree I saw the Czechs first game against Russia when they were Battered 4 1, could have been 8, and they were very, very poor. So, to be honest, I'm surprised they're still here. In contrast, Portugal, Portugal have got better better in every game so far, and, and to, to beat Denmark and, and Holland, they've, they've done very, very well. So, I think that they should they should go through, particularly now Ronaldo is a uh, handsome form. And finally, Spain and France, uh, uh, if you haven't done so already, I invite you to go online. And check out Rory K. Smith's uh, story on the death of Tiki Taka, real or alleged. He's got some stuff there from Vicente del Bosque and Slavin Bilic. Um, Oli, I don't think this is going to be close. I think Spain are going to tear them to shreds, personally. Um, but um, are you with me? Um, I think it might be closer than that. I think France's front players are capable of... Um of doing something if they get the ball um, and if they're in the mood. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot of the criticism of Spain so far has been a little um, misjudged and excessive because uh, you know they, they've got seven points from a, a difficult group, a harder group than England's. Um, they've dominated most of the games. They, made, they were living dangerously for a while against Croatia, but they... They've got great players and, and they know how to use the ball. And I, I, I would say Spain. Um, well, I, I would still say Spain are my favourites to win it. So um, I'm not going to tip France to to uh, knock them out. Sure. Preach on, brother K. Great minds think alike. Husey, your thoughts? Yeah, it's rather boring, but I, I can't see past Spain, particularly when I look at the French centre backs and as slow and, and ponderous they are. I don't think it'll be necessarily straightforward. I think Spain will create a lot, a lot of chances and probably struggle to convert them. I think they're missing David Villa and Torres has shown glimpses, but he's still not. And then he will ever be the player he was four years ago in this tournament. But, but Spain, they can they can score from, from anywhere, can't they? You saw the, the goal, the winning goal, even I in Scrocia, it's fantastic chip over the top and um, they're always going to have that in them and I expect them to win to win the game and get through to, to the semis and probably onto the final by the way Laurent Blanc the France manager and this might be something worth considering given that he's being linked to half a dozen English clubs uh, deciding to uh, take just three central defenders to the Euro in his 23-man squad whereas most take four or even five uh, centre-backs and the result is what that Philippe Mexis is suspended meaning that Laurent Koscielny will be partnering uh, Adio Rami at the back. Any more injuries or uh, cards, and he has to move 
one of his central midfielders, either Jan Mvila or Aludiara, into the back. I, I think it's a miscalculation and idiocy of colossal proportions from a guy who's actually, I think, one of the cleverest men in football. That's all we've got time for this uh, this week. Uh, thanks for listening. We're going to be back on Monday where we'll be doing a nice post-mortem of uh, all four quarterfinals. In the meantime, you can visit us at thetimes.co.uk. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter. Matt Hughes especially enjoys it when uh, you go and abuse him after he tweets out his ratings after every England game. Uh, and, of course, you can download our iPad app. Uh, it's pretty much like a newspaper, but it's got... Uh, all sorts of fancy whistles and bells and uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, Until next time, bye-bye.